All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Wednesday, August 3rd of 2022. Thank you for tuning into the stream here today as we are in the midst of Garrett Cole getting completely lit up on this early slate here. Uh, I was about even with the field. Uh, as you might expect, research build told me a little bit overowned, but also definitely the most likely pitcher to be optimal uh, as it all kind of shook out for me when I built my lineups, ended up about even with the field. Uh, so uh, we'll see how that works. Don't have a lot of Seattle stacks, unfortunately. That's actually uh, feels like a bit of a leak in my process recently that I've kind of been thinking about or, or at least kind of chewing on here is I often end up uh, under or or even with the field on some of these like super chalk pitchers, and I feel pretty good about that. But find it very hard to get to the other side of those uh, batter or those pitchers pretty often. And um, you know, I think there's something I think there's something to that. So something that I've been thinking about here a little bit uh, of a way to um, maybe get a little bit more direct leverage on some of the stands that I have been taking. But uh, hopefully, you all out there don't have too much. Garrett Cole, maybe the luckiest of us here, uh, actually, or maybe the most skilled uh, or those with the best uh, crystal balls have a lot of Seattle stacks out there for this early slate. But uh, if you are, are watching 100% of your lineups go down the drain with Garrett Cole right now, uh, fret not because we have a five-game baseball slate coming at us here uh, later this evening. The split slate days uh, in baseball are pretty fun. It seems like this year, uh, a lot of those Wednesday and Thursday day games or day slates have been a little smaller. Uh, we've had a lot of like slates where you get like a two or three games during the day, which isn't a real baseball slate, if you ask me. But today, uh, a true, uh, a proper split slate baseball day, which is always kind of fun here. So um, I think we have another one coming tomorrow. Maybe I might be wrong about that. Maybe at least four or so games in the the uh, the early slate, but we'll see. Um, anyway. Uh, welcome, everybody. My name is Jordan. For those of you that are watching or tuning in for the first time, uh, I'm the head coach here at SaberSim. And on this show, I answer questions live from our community about how to use SaberSim to build better lineups. So if you have questions for me that you'd like me to answer, a uh, few ways you can get them answered. Uh, the first, email us, support at sabersim.com. Let the support team know that you want a question answered on the show. A lot of times they'll pick out a couple questions that they like to and send them along to me. Uh, if you're watching me here live as well, welcome. Welcome to the live crew. Uh, you can always ask your questions live in YouTube chat. Uh, and finally, Office Hours channel in Slack. Great way to get your questions answered uh, as well. Um, so we have a couple questions in our queue here for today. We'll continue to, uh, to talk about some of the conversations we've been having about research builds recently. I know there's a couple follow-up questions uh, about those research builds. Um, some questions about the ownership fade slider, which we were talking about a little bit yesterday. Uh, exposures. Um, all kinds of stuff. So we've had a busy uh, week here on Office Hours. Lots of questions, uh, some really solid streams. It looks like um, fewer questions in the queue, at least as we get started here today. So if you've got questions for me uh, that you'd like me to tackle on stream, fire away at me now. Get them in the queue. Uh, I do the best I can here to answer questions in the order that they come in. Uh, so we will get started here uh, with a good question from PMC. Uh, and that will help us get kicked off. Let's get the app up so you guys don't have to just sit here and stare right at me uh, and get rocking and rolling here. We have kind of like a similar, uh, somewhat similar vibe for the slate here tonight where uh, trade trade in your Garrett Cole super chalk for uh, Shohei super chalk. Um, I will say it looks like a much worse matchup here, uh, or a much, I guess the way you frame it, much, much better matchup for Otani here. Um, the A's just a, a much worse team than the Mariners. Uh, also, probably a friendlier park 
uh, overall than it was for Cole. I think the writing, I don't, I don't want to uh, make it sound like I knew this was coming because here I am with zero Mariner stacks, but I do think the writing was on the wall a little bit with like a good, uh, power hitting team in a great park against a fly ball pitcher that something like this could happen. Uh, but anyway, uh, similar slate here tonight, 70, 70% projected ownership for Otani. So we'll see how things shake out. Um, so, uh, okay, cool. So, uh, anyway, let's go ahead. Let's get started here. Um, after a research build and a test build, am I better off getting my exposures where I want them using the min max exposure columns or by raising or lowering individual projections? Uh, there's truthfully not really a right answer here. Kind of depends on what you're, you're really just like trying to do, uh, and, and how you think about it. I would say if you, if you have an idea of the exact exposure that you want to end up at, right? So let's build some lineups. Uh, and get our first build of the day going here. But if you're, if you know what that number is, like you, you know, based on the research build, based on the test build, you're like, I want 40% of this guy, right? Or I want to be exactly half the field. The easiest thing to do is going to be to just set that, right? Otherwise, you're going to be dialing in the projections, letting it update, waiting to see if that worked, then doing it a little bit more or pulling it back a little bit, right? Like if you know what that exact number is, um, you can just do it that way, right? And that's perfectly fine. So let's, let's run this build here. Um, but, um, okay, cool. So, uh, oh, interesting, interesting way. I think it's partially because the ownership fade slider is so high here tonight on just a five game slate. We got to get, we got to get leverage on the field on these five game slates. Uh, not all in on, on Shohei here. Um, I expected that to be higher. So interesting here. Um, but maybe he is still the, the stand you wanted and maybe 45% is good, but you say, Hey, 30% is better, right? Based on my research build, I want to be at 30%, right? Easiest thing to do. Just set it for 30%. Same thing. You know, maybe you identified here, a um, couple lower on stacks that you want to get to. Maybe they, maybe you think uh, some direct leverage on the Blake Snell chalk is interesting, right? Um, and you said 20% Colorado stacks, right? Great. I mean, it, it, I feel like it's almost kind of like a, a, a circular argument, I guess. But if you want, if you know what exposure you want, set that as an exposure. Now, if you instead are kind of less, opinion on, less opinionated on the final number that you end up at, and more just kind of like want to play with it. I think one thing that you can do that's kind of cool about the projections is you can kind of stress test uh, Saversim and just see what it spits out, right? Like I like to work in 10% buckets, right? So like 10% of a projection. So you could say, you know, I, I kind of had decided I wanted to be even a little bit lower on Shohei and I'm, I'm at 45% here, right? But what if his projection was 10% lower than it actually was, right? We drop his projection by 10%, about two points, right? Then you can kind of almost ask Sabersim, hey, if this projection was 10% lower, then what would you do, right? And I think 10% is a good number too, because there, there's there's error to any given projection system, right? I think it's within reason that, you know, per, uh, a decent projection system could be off by 10% uh, on any given on any given player. Like, I mean, you know, it's that number, that true number is actually probably greater than that, but I think that's probably a safe bet. Um, if you told me that you could calculate the exact true mean projection for any given player, um, I, I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't be surprised to hear that it was within 10% plus or minus of any given player's projection, right? Um, so I think that can be kind of a cool way to do it too. Like if instead you're like, hey, I kind of want to take a stand on a player because sometimes you'll see that these, these projections are actually very inflexible, right? Like let's see what just out of curiosity, let's see what happens if we adjust Blake Snell. Um, so Blake Snell's dropped as well. Sometimes you will sometimes you will just see that these projections are inflexible, right? Um, let's try to go in a different direction. Let's take a guy like Chad Cool, or let's take a guy 
um, you know, who's the Chad cool is like the lowest owned pitcher on the slate. Right. And let's say we wanted to bump up his projection. And in this case, uh, his 10% of his projection is 1.2. So maybe we go to 13.5, right. That's about 1.2 greater. Um, and see, so like this, this number is a little bit less responsive to an increase in a projection than a guy like adjusting Snell or Otani or something like that is right. So you can kind of see that as well. And I think that can be kind of a cool tool. You can actually do that ahead of the build as well, if you want, but I think that can be kind of an interesting other way uh, to basically get some leverage on these guys and to, to make some changes here um, without just basically like hard coding in your, um, your, uh, your, your numbers. So anyway, um, Cool. So good first question. Good way to get us started here. Uh, let's go ahead and jump a uh, question from hiking. Um, and let's see. Uh, hiking said yesterday on the night slate, I tried more ownership fade in the builder expecting the Dodgers to go lower. Uh, but it seems as though the result was more complicated than simply lowering the percentage of a popular team. Is this a result of a subtle balance between sim averaging and ownership fading? Thank you. Uh, yeah, I would say in summary, that's, that's like a good way of kind of describing what's going on there. Right. Um, ultimately everything kind of gets balanced and taken into account all together when you're building your lineups. Like tonight we have a five game slate, right? So we have, we have a pretty high ownership fade slider. We also have a high sim precision slider. And when it comes time to build the lineups, what will happen is we will group for every lineup we build, right? We'll take a random set of six games of every game on the slate and set the player projections to what they scored in that set of sims and then they every player gets adjusted uh based on whether or not they're higher or lower owned at their position right that that sim averaged from the sixth set of sims projection gets updated based on their ownership projection uh that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to full fade the chalkiest place and it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to full fade the chalkiest plays in every lineup right like yeah 70 percent shohei otani uh gets faded somewhat heavily here um we're under the field on him but it's not zero percent um what are the chalk hitters right let's look um what are the chalk hitters here so we are under on the chalky brewers it looks like for the most part here um we are then we have some leverage on like uh it looks like the dodgers um and st louis and some of these these other teams here right um, I mean, a good kind of a good way to think about this, right? Is like, what if, like, yeah, what if the, what if the Brewers were forty percent owned, but they were all projected for a mean average of like twenty points each, right? You would still roster the Brewers. That's like a, a improbably high projection, right? Same thing with Otani. If he was ninety nine percent owned, um, but he was projected for a hundred points, you would like you, you just have to play him, right? Like, there's a there's a balance there, no matter what. So, um, explaining we, we talked about this a little bit yesterday with the tennis build as well uh it is it is difficult here sometimes i get questions that are like hey explain the results of this build uh and because of how complicated everything i can explain each step of the process and like how the system actually works but in terms of just explaining a way a build uh gets a little bit tougher um but i would say yes i mean you're on the right track there is a balance to the ownership fade uh and there's a balance to the sim precision and the way it all comes together um i would say on a more practical level if you are turning up the ownership fade slider and you're saying, Hey, my expectation is that this result will come out of that, right? I will turn up the ownership fade slider. And as a result, I will be lower exposed to the highest projected owned team. Uh, that's fine, but you might just be better off just adjusting your exposure to that team or turning their projections down a little bit as well. Like, it sounds like, like you've already kind of made that decision of what you want to do. Right. Um, so, um, I think uh, I was actually, I was talking to um, 
Andy yesterday. And one of the things that he said um, about uh, just about like our tools we were talking about, you know, some of the new features we're developing is that we want we want to to basically make it as clear as possible that, you know, when when you want to do something with your lineups to take the simplest route to get there. Right. Uh, and I think the simplest route to fading a very chalky team that you have decided to fade is to simply knock down your exposure to that team in the post build process. Now, there are other ways to get that done, adjusting the ownership fade slider, potentially knocking down their team total. If you want to go that route, uh, there's potentially reasons to do it the other way. But for for most of the time, uh, you know, figure out what do you actually want to have happen and then and then take the simplest route um, to get there. So uh, anyway. Um, let's go ahead and keep it moving here. Uh, hiking. I also couldn't help but notice that you've got the, a picture of the old bankroll growth cheat sheet up uh, as your uh, Slack profile, and uh, that is, I will say that is a very cool uh, homage to our contest selection principles. But it is the old version of that cheat sheet. Um, if you check out the DFS profit plan on a video on our YouTube channel, uh, we have a new, new and improved bankroll management and contest selection. Uh, cheat sheet up there that you can uh, snap a picture of and throw up on the the profile pic. But I do love the idea of having that up there. Uh, so you never forget, you never forget the fundamentals. Uh, anyway, let's jump. Next question here. Jimmy um, has a question here. Um, okay. He said with the five stacks, five stack rule we discussed yesterday, should I now be adjusting the team exposures under the team's all tab for what I want and let the five stack exposures fall into a place. Because if I try to adjust for the teams I want under the five stack tab, it may somewhat work before eventually breaking. And then those exposures don't get sent to the next build thoughts. Yeah. I mean, we're I mean, the, the reality here is we're, we're, we're navigating a bug, right? So, I mean, the, the goal, we'll, we will fix this bug, right? Um, that will be the, the ultimate, the, the end goal here is that the, the bug gets fixed. In the meantime, yeah, I think that's a good approach. Um, I mean, one thing that's nice, uh, again, since I know you're, you're building uh, the 5-3 stacks for the most part, um, maybe exclusively, I, I think editing your, I think just editing your stack exposures is going to get you very, 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 very close to what you are trying to do anyway, since you know that all of your stacks are fives or threes anyway. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good approach. That's probably what I would do in the meantime. At the very least, if you struggle to meet those exposures, uh, you can send them back to the home screen and it will actually work. Um, one other thing I will just quickly add on here, and I know I hope this isn't I hope this isn't coming across as counterintuitive here, um, or or not counterintuitive, but contradictory to what I just said, but. If you are finding that, you know, you run your build and then you attempt to edit your exposures and you are consistently running into walls uh, in terms of getting the exposures that you want, I, I think it's probably still a fair statement that your strategy for the slate is not necessarily in line with what the projections and default settings imply. And that's not a bad thing. Uh, but I think that you would you might be able to get just a better result also leaning into editing some of these team totals as well a little bit. Right. Like if you were finding that, you know, you're trying to bump up and get a little bit more exposure to some of these different teams and you're not seeing that happen and you're finding that you're having to run a build, send exposures back home over and over again and running into issues, you know, giving giving a team that you're expecting to see a little bit more exposure to a half run bump uh, and maybe dropping teams that you're getting too much exposure to by a half run will probably go a long way in making those builds a little bit more receptive to what you're doing in the first place. Um so something to consider there as well. But yeah, in the meantime, um, you are probably going to be better served just editing your um, your uh, lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Uh, editing your um, your main stack exposures instead of just your five stacks. 
So, um, okay. Uh, so Nipsey here said, Hey Jordan for single entry tournaments, if I'm running 500 Sims and then picking a pool of five or 10 lineups to choose one from, uh, any tips to help me improve, improve, increase my strike rate as it appears Saber score, uh, is not solely enough. Um, yeah, I mean, so, you know, I think a lot of times, um, one thing that I've noticed in these kind of single entry contests here, uh, is, so I'll do a similar thing. Um, but the chalk, like, especially the very top of the top chalk, right. Um, we'll get a little bit more chalky, right? Like uh, the popular plays will even be a little bit more popular in single entry than they will be in, in larger field GPPs. And our ownership projections are for a large field GPP, right? So if, um, if, uh, if, if Otani is truly 70% owned in large field, right? He, it might be 80%, 85% in single entry contests, right? And same thing, like the chalkiest stack, if, if it is truly the Brewers, um, I feel like it could be the Dodgers tonight as well. Um, but if it's the, let's see, I wonder how Vegas has these games. It's weird because I actually think tonight could end up being a four game slate. Oh, the Padres. Okay. I actually, okay. So the Padres actually could be the chalk stack tonight. Um, oops, I messed up my screen share. There we go. Um, I actually could see the Padres being very chalky tonight, especially if, I don't know if Soto and Bell are expected to be in the lineup tonight, but if they are, people are just going to want to play them. Um, so we also have an interesting situation where I think this slate has a pretty decent chance of becoming a four-game slate because there is some some pretty serious weather concerns in Chicago. So anyway, the point I was trying to make, though, is the chalk is going to get even more chalkier. So uh, I really like like being actually even a little bit more aggressive with my stands here, like, or taking one, like taking one very specific intentional stand against what I think the field is going to do, right? Because you're going to get even more leverage on it when you're right. Uh, pitchers, I think in general, more likely to pay off, more likely to, uh, to be the play, uh, like they're, they're going to have a higher percent chance of, of being optimal, even when they are a little bit overowned. So a lot of times I try to do that on the, the hitting side, um, and, you know, maybe tonight, like one way to do that is to just kind of get off of Brewers or something like that. Like no Brewers, no Padres or something, if that's kind of what we think the chalk is going to be, right? And like something like this, right? So like, again, 16%, 10%, 13%, right? Like those are for a large field GVP and a single entry, I think they're actually going to be even lower. And while you're probably going to pay a little bit more for these pitchers in terms of ownership, uh, I think just finding like one particular angle to fade in a single entry contest uh, is a really good way to just get a lot of additional leverage on the field, just because that ownership gets even less efficient there. Um, you can also start, like you can do stuff with like experimenting with like also getting off the chalk pitchers. Um, I just don't think you always like need to necessarily do that, right? There's like probably... Um, you know, I mean, there's even a lineup here like this, this would be like a crazy leverage lineup. Um, I just don't even know if you need to go that far here, especially on a four game slate, right? Maybe, maybe the Otani fade, maybe just Otani fade, um, is interesting, but just picking like one really chalk angle, right. Uh, and, and kind of from there, just letting it, uh, letting it work. Right. I think we'll, we'll get you a lot of additional leverage. The one thing I, I, I want to mention here as well, though, is just like setting reasonable expectations, right. Um, I mean, so, you know, bear in mind, let's say, you know, let's say the average player, right? If you're playing a single bullet, single entry every night, right? You're playing one lineup on average. If you were average, perfectly average, you would expect that that lineup would finish in the top 1%, 1% of the time. 
if you are a very good player, right? I think it's fair to assume in a single entry contest that you might increase that number to maybe about 2% of the time. That's still only one in every 50 slates. And that's still only the top 1% of the contest. That's not even necessarily banking, right? That's that's part, part of this is the reason why that our contest selection framework includes playing a lot, a lot, a lot of unique lineups, right? It's to smooth out the variance. It is to realize your strength, your, realize your expected value more quickly by getting more lineups in play. So just be aware of that. That is, I mean, that is a baseline and that is just for a single lineup put into the top 1%. I mean, that could be, you know, that the, there's what, like a hundred, I think there's 200-ish playable baseball slates, main slates every year. Um, so you would essentially expect for that to happen. You would expect, essentially expect to have a top 1% lineup at that rate four times throughout the season. Um, and then maybe if you get lucky, that lineup ends up like taking something down once, right? Um, so I think you should be aware of that. I, I think that that is, I think it's an important expectation to set. I, I would highly, highly recommend going and watching the DFS profit plan on the Sabersim YouTube channel and understanding what is explained there. I know there have been people that have watched that and say, great, I get it. Uh, I still like single entry contests more. So I'm going to play those and understand the risk associated with that and the variance associated with that. Um, but I think you should just be aware that, that there's, there's a, there's a better way, I think for the average DFS player to, to realize your, your gains more quickly. Um, it's is a common it's a very common misconception i think in the dfs space that like playing single entries and playing small field bullets and stuff like that is safe um and it isn't it are, we've basically proved it with with contest simulations that it it is an extremely high variance strategy to only play these small field single entry you know sing, three max kind of contests um because i mean the, it, it, the math kind of just proves it out right it's it's hard um, you are, the, you are, you are looking for in, in all DFS GPPs, you are essentially seeking a rare outcome, right? Top 1% of anything, you know, that, that only happens one out of every hundred times, right? Obvious basic math there, right? But the, in, uh, when you're playing these smaller field tournaments, single entry kind of tournaments, right? You are, you're also giving yourself less opportunities for that to happen. You're giving yourself yet less unique lineups. So anyway. Um, but with that said, because I think ownership does get less efficient in these contests, people are playing cash lineups. People are playing them too safe, right? Just picking one or two edges to just be like, again, I, I think like, honestly, if I was just trying to quickly come up with a lineup here for tonight's contest, I think getting away from, um, the Brewers Padres, and then like basically pick your poison of not playing both of these pitchers together, uh, I think is probably the, the easiest way to just play a lineup that's that still has a lot of upside and it's just very unlikely to be appreciated by the field. Right. Um, and maybe, maybe again, from the weather standpoint, maybe you get off of, uh, whoops, that's not what I meant to do. Maybe you get off of St. Louis as well. Um, so let me reset that. Right. So we get off of St. Louis because we don't like the weather. No need to take a chance there. Right. And all of a sudden we end up with this lineup. That's, that's like probably just going to be spectacularly low owned in a single entry contest. Right. I mean, nobody's going to play an A stack, but it's a four game slate, right? Like you might as well take a shot there. You don't even have to get like that level of leverage. You could play, you could play like uh, a game stack of the Dodgers and Giants here. And, and again, get probably a ton of leverage on the field, 
Um, this slate is ugly, man. I'm like looking at this slate here now. Uh, and uh, I will say it's, I'm a little bit, I'm, I feel like I'm getting less excited to play this one here tonight. This is uh this is an ugly slate. This is a, a tough one. Um, when, uh, when fading the, uh, when fading just like the two chalkiest stacks is putting you onto an A stack against Otani, it, it, it starts to feel kind of uh, ugly quickly, but um, anyway. Hopefully that kind of helped here. Um, let's let's keep it going. Let's let's jump over to YouTube chat here. Uh, Eamon said, uh, "Hey Eric, Jordan, uh, just Jordan today. Uh, no Eric today. Uh, will there ever be a stream when we have the whole Sabres? Oh, maybe I misunderstood. Have the whole Sabres Sim team uh, together and watch you guys just nerd out about the software. Oh, I see. Hey Air Jordan. Right, right, right. I see. Um, we had Eric on uh, a couple weeks ago, so I think I." Um, I thought that's what you were maybe referring to. Uh, I mean, honestly, it does sound like it is. That is what you're describing is kind of similar to what we're doing with our Behind the Sims podcast, which is basically just recordings of our internal conversations that we're having at SaberSim as we build new models, build out new tools. Um, we are currently that the ongoing Behind the Sims series uh, is about our work to re backtest our sliders, which I know people have uh, always asking about, have found pretty interesting. Um, so. Uh, definitely go check that out if you if you are interested in that kind of thing. Um, also, with football coming up here, we will have uh, you know a bunch of streams at the start of football season to talk about the football model, to talk some football strategy, um, all the the new starts of the sports seasons. You know, we obviously have a bunch of new uh, bunch of new streams going on for for those new sports. So stay stay tuned. Uh, Big City Shops said new here, but not to DFS. But I'm terrible at picking players. Just need help. Thanks. Interesting. Uh, tough question, big question, lot to unpack here. Um, I I would say right off the bat, uh, I would I think the idea that you are picking players when you are playing DFS can be somewhat dangerous. Uh, I think it implies that anybody can successfully just pick players, uh, and that's not the case. Uh, people are are really 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 bad at at projecting like actual performance just in general. Like if you ask people to just like make predictions, especially about sports, uh, we're pretty bad at it. Uh, I, I think reframing the way that you think about DFS to think, you know, what are the lineups that I can play that are the most profitable when the conditions that that lineup needs to, to win are met is a, is a healthier way and a way that's actually more accurate about what you're trying to do in DFS, right? Like not what team is going to be the nuts tonight, Right. But what team can I stand? What team can I combine a, a high probability of, of being a good team with also the maximum amount of gain for me when I'm right uh, is a better way of doing that. Um, there's a lot of strategy to unpack for each individual sport. We could probably sit here and talk for a couple hours about just like baseball strategy from there as well. Um, I would honestly say uh, the easiest thing I think to do instead would be if you don't have one already. Get yourself a free SaberSim trial. Um, it is on our site. Seven days, completely free. Literally, like you don't have to pay a dime. Check out SaberSim. Uh, and what's, what SaberSim will do is that because SaberSim is the only DFS optimizer on the market that's actually built to build good GPP lineups right out of the box, right? Other optimizers, you have to program a bunch of rules and settings to make it build you good lineups, which means you need to understand what the rules and settings are to do in the first place, Right. SaberSim understands how to how to build winning DFS lineups just straight out of the box because we understand things like correlation and ownership and real ranges of outcomes of players automatically. You come in here, you get a free trial, pick a contest that you want to play, 
honestly, to start any contest, whatever you've already been playing is fine. Set your settings to what matches that contest and build some lineups and study those lineups and look at them and see what what it, what they have in them, right? What, what are the lineup constructions? What players, what stacks are you seeing most frequently here? Uh, and see if you have any questions about that. And then we can talk about, you know, if you say, hey, Jordan, why for my 20 max lineups am I seeing a bunch of lineups that are a 5-3 stack, right? We can talk about that. Uh, and we can talk about, um, you know, hey, why am I getting, I don't know, two chalky pitchers or something like that in this contest or or whatever. And we can kind of start breaking down some of the principles a little bit more. But uh, it is more about lineups that are, that are a, in, as a combined unit, have a positive expected value, right? That would be profitable if you could play the slate out a, a, a thousand times than it is about picking players. Um, and a, a anybody that is, any anybody selling a player pick, this guy is going to have a, a great game, uh, is at best basically just looking at a set of average projections picking out a guy that projects pretty well and explaining that projection to you. That is the best case scenario. That's information that you could probably find on your own. The worst case scenario is they're just like making stuff up. And I don't, and it doesn't help you that much either way. Right. Like it, it does that doesn't add anything for you. So, um, figure out what the, what, what types of lineups make sense for the contest that you are playing. Uh, and, Ask questions when there are things that you don't understand about the kinds of lineups that you are that you would theoretically want to play for a contest. Uh, and I think it'll put you down a better path than trying to think about picking players. Um, and if you want to pick players, SaberSim will kind of help give you an idea of that as well, right? In a way that is adjusted for that particular slate and for the contest you're playing. But if you want to see, hey, like what pitchers make a lot of sense on tonight's slate uh, in a, um, you know, 20 max large kind of larger field contest, here you go. Here's like a decent portfolio of pitchers that might make some sense, right? Um, so, and this will help you start to figure out some of those questions as well. Why is it that the field wants to play 70% Shohei Otani, but when I run this build on SaberSim tonight, I'm only getting 30%, right? Well, not all points are the same. The best projected guy is not always the best overall play from an expected value standpoint, especially on small slates. So, um, anyway... Uh, let's keep it going. Next questions. Uh, Steven, do you use Google sheets any with Saberson? Um, I, I think that I think probably has a lot more to do with what you would be using sheets or Excel for than just using it period. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's a blank page when you open it up. So yeah, I mean, I use Excel in a handful of different ways throughout my process. Um, I would say the main thing that I, I, I've experimented with like plugging in Excel to do different things uh, in my, my Saberson process at different times. I would say right now, what I most commonly use it is I pull down all of the lineups from my research build uh, and I recalculate the optimal rates in Excel. Um, and then I kind of have a spreadsheet that kind of like color codes it. And it, it gives me a, a little bit more of a visual way of just seeing where, where some leverage opportunities are for me. That's it. Um, that's what I've been using it it for. Um, so, um, but it, it, that is more about that is more about your application or your goal or your purpose than it is the tool. Um, I think somebody saying I use Excel or I use Google Sheets in my DFS process. 
uh, would would not reveal very much to you. Um, so more more about what you're doing with it than than the tool in that in that particular case. And really, almost, honestly, probably almost across the board, right? Um, like I could even say, like sometimes I use the Fantasy Labs MLB Vegas dashboard, and I think without any more information, it would be hard to necessarily know what that is being used for. Um, so I don't know. I, I think, I think it's important to, to keep purpose in mind there. Jimmy said, is there a way to cap all batters, not pitchers at a certain percentage? Uh, no, um, unfortunately not. Uh, I, I will say this gets asked for constantly. Uh, so it's high on the list to implement. Um, the, the fact of the matter, just to be completely honest is like, apart from bugs that are like causing pain for people and things like that, um, we're, we're, we're pretty focused on moving ahead to football here. So like some of these, some of these features here um, are, are probably going to be like things that we might be looking at a little bit more for next season for now uh, for, for baseball, but um, that gets asked for constantly. So it is something we want to do um, in the future uh, is the, is a way to set global exposures differently uh, for different positions. And that might be something that we're doing in, as a part of our new like rules dashboard. Um, I can't remember if that's, that is a part of that or not. Um, so that might come out, that might come out sooner as a part of just a more global front end update. Um, but for the, if, if it is kind of more of a unique baseball-y thing, um, yeah, just, just, I mean, just to, to set realistic expectations, we are football is, uh, is coming up quick and we're, we're pretty focused on football, but that gets answered constant. I mean, that gets asked constantly, uh, from people. So it, it is something that we do want to implement. Sean says, I don't know why I didn't get to Seattle bats. Yeah, I don't either. Makes you, DFS has a, has a habit of uh, making you feel kind of stupid after, after all the cards get flipped over, right? When you know the outcomes, it gets a whole lot easier to see it, right? Um, like I was even doing it here, right? Like at the start of this stream. Oh yeah, uh, of course. Of course, Seattle. You can see it now, right? Good lineup, fly ball pitcher, good park but I don't have any Seattle either. So it goes that way sometimes. Uh, Aaron says, so when are we going to talk some NFL baseball is over? <laughs> Suck lol. I'm still enjoying baseball. I, I love baseball DFS. I really do. I, I, I like it. Um, I will play baseball DFS happily until the end. I basketball. I love the start of basketball season. Uh, and I will, I will stay on basketball for a long time, but man, after that all-star break happens, um, it gets a little tougher. Um, I, I, but I love baseball. Uh, we can talk football whenever though. Um, I'm down to start talking a little football strategy. We don't have Sims up for week one yet. Um, that's probably still, I would imagine a couple weeks away. So it's going to be still probably a couple weeks, at least, at least a week, probably closer to two weeks before we can actually like play with some Sims. Um, so, um, I, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. I, 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 we can definitely talk some like basic strategy and, and answer questions. I think in a couple of weeks we can really start diving in and actually running some builds and stuff like that. So, um, Benny Hanna said, can leverage be added to the projections table? Uh, having it after lineups are generated is nice, but would like to see it before lineups. Um, so one thing, so we have talked about just basically taking like the product of the research build, which is the optimal rates and adding it actually as a column here in the, uh, projections tab. So that is something we've talked about. Um, I think that's kind of what you're referring to here. Um, obviously, I mean, the main thing, leverage itself, right? Like the leverage column needs lineups to calculate. So it doesn't really make sense to just have like leverage over here. 
because there there are no lineups. But we have just because of um, I think how how popular I have managed to make research builds here on this stream. Um, it is something that we have talked about adding basically like per percent chance of being optimal or something like that just up here, just so you have that information. So you don't have to, to take that unnecessary extra step. Um, so, um, but. Um, Eamon, I, 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 I've always, I've generally kind of, for the most part, there's a few demos in the past office hours where I've done like some basics and I've like taught people a couple formulas. Um, I, I don't think I have any plans to like pull up a full spreadsheet up here and kind of like walk through all of it. Mostly just because I want this, I want this show to be about like using SaberSim here um, specifically. And I, I also, I, I hesitate at times, you know, to do stuff like that because I, I don't want to ever give the impression that those are required parts of the process. Um, and I think if I start doing an Excel tutorial or breaking down things that I'm just kind of doing in my process here, uh, it, it often sends the impression to people, uh, especially new people to the stream that this is something they have to be doing. And that's definitely not the case. Um, so, I mean, I would be happy to answer, you know, I would, I would encourage you to build your own spreadsheet if you want one, uh, if you have something that you kind of feel like would be useful to do outside of the app. Um, and I would be happy to answer any specific questions you have as you're going through that process. But um, I don't think a full tutorial in that way, it really ends up serving anybody. Um, so um, Jimmy said, uh, SaberSim going to have NHL. Yes, we will. We will have NHL. Um, so, and it, that is a sport that I think I am going to be getting into a little bit more this season. I've talked about that here. Um, uh, I've talked about that here quite a bit in the, uh, in past streams about how I've wanted to get more into hockey DFS and this year, um, at least barring some unforeseen changes, it might be a little bit tougher for me to play the NBA late swap game here, uh, coming up this season. So I might focus a little bit more on the NHL streets this year, uh, at least early in the year, just cause again, I, I, I don't know how how reliably I'm going to be able to do uh, late swapping uh, in the evenings, and it feels like NHL might be a better option for me um, with with that said. So we'll see. But yes, we do have we do have NHL support. And Benny Hanna said, uh, I guess it's how you it depends on how you calculate leverage. Then, yeah, I mean, I think we're kind of saying the same thing. The the leverage calculation that I do on the research build, which is like percent chance of being in the optimal minus ownership, like the traditional leverage that you see around the industry, that's what we want. Yeah, we want to. We've talked about adding that to the projections tab. Um, so that's something I could see us doing in the future. So, um, cool. Any other questions for me here on today's stream? I think we are all caught up for now. Let me make sure I didn't miss any in the email inbox as well. Uh, but I think we are, are pretty, pretty caught up here. So. Fire away at me here if you guys have any other questions. We'll hang on for a couple more minutes here. Uh, see if there's any last-minute questions coming in um, before we we call it for today. I will, of course, be back again tomorrow at 2 o'clock Eastern. So uh, just in case um, if you are like me at all and you're watching this stream along, uh, enjoying it, and then the stream ends and then you realize, wait, I had a question. forgot to ask. We'll be back again tomorrow, 2 o'clock Eastern. So you can ask on tomorrow's stream. That will be, though, our last stream of the week. I am off on Friday. Uh, so I will be back.
tomorrow will be the last stream of the week. I will be back on Monday of next week. A couple other questions here. DG, if there's golf news, does the whole slate get resimmed or only those players who would be affected? Um, I would say uh, it will... Okay, if if the if the odds shift significantly or even really kind of shift at all, um, I think that would be a sign that the whole slate could get resimmed. Um, if it is a if it is somebody that is that gets scratched that does not like dramatically impact uh, the 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 odds um, very much, then I don't think um, it will resim. Ownership will rebuild. So I see Jonathan Vegas is out. I assume he withdraw. He withdrew. Um, ownership will get rebuilt. Um, it looks like it already has in this case because his ownership is at zero. So that's kind of the most important thing. Um, but ultimately. Like it, I would say for the whole tournament to get resimmed, it's probably going to, it would probably take like a big name guy at the top that has just a lot of win equity uh, or top five equity in the contest to, to rebuild everything. Um, just because otherwise the impact of one player not being in a tournament just doesn't affect like, I, I, I mean, I, I doesn't affect enough to like trigger uh, a new sim. I would imagine with that said though, like this might just happen. I guess I feel like I sh- I'm probably going to be eating my words here in a second. Wait a second. Let me look at this again. Because as, as I'm talking this, where did he go? Okay. Yeah. So in this case, he still has like some equity here. So in this case, he hasn't, it hasn't resimmed yet. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I it kind of depends on the, the impact of the player. So. Um, Jimmy said, is there a per- certain uh, percentage exposure when playing for leverage specifically, uh, or it's all about what slash who you want to play? Um, it kind of depends. A lot of times, I think a simplified way of thinking about it, especially if you're playing large field, if you're playing a lot of different, um, a lot of different um, like lineups, right? The more lineups you have, the more granular you can get with your exposure. But a lot of times I like to think about it as like a, a simplified version would be half the field. I don't like this guy even with the field neutral 2x the field uh is um is uh is like over over the field right so you know for example for tonight right we had this we were looking at this build earlier and right and maybe your process takes you to uh maybe your process takes you to thinking hey I kind of want to be under on both Snell and Otani right I want to be aggressive with both those guys so you could come over here um and I think use that tool as kind of a way of figuring out how much exposure you should get to each of them. So Otani, we're already there. Um, what do you do with one of fade Snell? How much exposure is the right amount of exposure? Well, maybe you get to uh, 22%, right? Something like that. Um, and that's going to put us onto Otani. So then we could do 35% there, right? And I think that's like a, a, a simple heuristic that works as simplifying your exposure percentages somewhat. Um, I mean, obviously you, there's there's a, a, a full spectrum of, of how how much exposure you want to any given player that you can go from there. Um, but I do think that that kind of helps simplify that. Let me know if that answers your question. I, I'm not entirely sure if that's what you were asking. Um, but uh, then Benny Hanna says, what's the best way to add more high leverage stacks or even game stacks? I find it inefficient to stack one game at a time. Um, more high leverage stacks. I mean, I think the simplest thing would be to just like to, to add exposure to those teams in your build, right? So if we have this build, for example, and we're saying, hey, we want to get we want to get onto some lower owned stacks, right? Um, I mean, the lower owned stacks tonight are 
are basically all the teams playing against the chalky pitchers, right? So we're already getting a lot of leverage in this build to Oakland, but maybe we want more Colorado or maybe we want more Pittsburgh, right? We can just come in here and like very quickly just set min exposures and say, hey, hey, I want 15% Pittsburgh and I want 15% Colorado, right? Um, and I think that's like a very quick and easy way to um, to get there, right? Just pumping up the, the min exposure, to, to get to those teams. Um, another thing you could do, especially if you were finding that that wasn't really like getting you where you wanted to be would be to bump up the team totals to those teams here in the, in the um, projections tab. So you could say like, Hey, I, I'm going to, I want to take some stance on some teams that I think are going underappreciated tonight. Pittsburgh, this game has weather. So again, I'm going to, I'm going to proceed with caution there. Um, Oakland, right. I like to use a half run to a run on a lot of these teams. Right. Um, also, I think this is probably, uh, a, a lineup thing. Like, I think we probably don't have, no, we do. So big discrepancy between Sabersim and uh, Vegas right now on this Padres game, something to keep an eye on throughout the day. Um, I imagine we'll get a little bit closer to Vegas later on, but anyway, so maybe you're doing like this and you're saying like, Hey, a little bump to all these teams that I think are going underappreciated. We'll apply those changes. And then when we build these lineups, we'll get more of those higher leverage stacks, like right out of the gate, right? Automatically. Um, so I don't, I definitely don't feel like you'll need to stack one game at a time, um, by any means. Right. Um, so right. We can just bump up all four teams. And then if we build these lineups, we'll, we'll get more of those guys across the board. So, um, Jimmy said, uh, I think more team-based percent. Like if I want to go against Otani, sounds like what I'm comfortable with. Um, yeah. And so I, I think, yeah, I think it's it's a little bit about how much how much you're comfortable with, right? Um, I this is part of the reason I also do kind of like I I, I know it, it feels like I, I do this stream a lot, and people are like, "Hey, can you please show this using the team stacks instead of using individual player exposures?" Because I I just do a lot from individual player exposures, um, but I actually think this is a pretty strong like defense of individual player exposures instead, uh, because I think it can partially help you arrive there on your own. Right. So like, instead of saying, okay, I know that I want to get, um, some, I don't know. So I, I'm still, I'm not getting any Pittsburgh stacks. Right. So I still want some Pittsburgh stacks, right. One way you can kind of do that is look at the ownership of the individual hitters and see like, where are these guys, like, where's this ownership going? Um, and look like, so, you know, for example, on Brian Reynolds alone, to get positive leverage on him, right? If we wanted to go 2X the field, right? We can do 20% Brian Reynolds here, which is naturally going to get us some additional exposure to other bats here. You know, you could go over to uh, to K Brian Hayes as well here um, and do 15% or something like that. Uh, that will help you kind of like arrive at the stack exposure that's appropriate as well. Um, so uh, Jimmy says, I adjust teams mainly because I come from the NHL world. Sorry. No, and it's no problem at all. I, a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of the audience here on the stream does the same thing. And, and I, I'll adjust team exposures here or there as well. Um, I think what I'm basically trying to say is at the moment, since we don't have stack ownership projections, I think it's a little bit harder to answer that question, right? Um, I do think this number can be useful, right? And this is new. So if you're saying, hey, I want to get some exposure to Pittsburgh, um, how much exposure is appropriate? Well, we always talk about your pool of lineups, 500 lineups here being viable for the contest. So I, I think by extension, it's, it's at least a decent assumption to say, Hey, like, you know, anywhere 10 to 15% exposure to Pittsburgh makes some sense. 
right? I also think that's a reason to potentially cap exposures as well. If you're like, hey, how much exposure is too much exposure to one team? Well, we have 70% Dodgers, but they're only in 44% of our lineups as a whole. You know, maybe we bring that down a little bit and spread out a little bit more, right? Not to say that all of these exposures should one-to-one match these exposures, but I do think this can be a helpful clue to you if you are unsure of how to manage your exposures. Eventually, you have to be over the field on somebody, right? So actually, maybe a better way of thinking about this would instead be, um, you know, making sure that your stances are in line with your, your, what you want to do, right? So we had identified, what was it? The Giants, the Rockies, Oakland, and Pittsburgh, right? We're going to take all, we're going to be on all these leverage stance, all these, uh, we're going to get leverage on all these teams, right? So um, maybe we go 2X, 2X, instead of thinking 2X the field, maybe we go 2X our pool, right? So we get 25% Pittsburgh. Um, we get, uh, this would imply 60% Rockies, right? Maybe that's a little aggressive, but, um, I, I think that's okay. Uh, maybe we go 50% giants, right? And we go, uh, 30% Oakland, right? They think that's actually, as we've been talking through, as we, excuse me, as we've been talking through this, I kind of like that approach. Um, Right. Saber Sim's kind of saying, hey, yeah, 32% Rockies in your pool. And you're saying, okay, we want to be over that. We want to get more because we're we're playing a leverage game. Kind of like that. Kind of take that. So uh, Benny Hanna said, uh, no, when I say stack one game at a time, I mean, if I increase Baltimore and Texas exposures, I've noticed it doesn't give me the Baltimore and Texas game stack even after increasing game exposure. So if you want to target particularly like game stacks, right, uh, you, can, you can do that here. Um, just keep in mind, you're not going to get a lot of positive, you're not going to get a lot of game stacks in baseball period, just because those teams don't have very strong positive correlations to one another, right? There's not, if, if two teams are playing in a great park, they will both be higher projected to reflect that, but there's not actually a positive correlation there. That means when one team does well, it means that the other is likely to do well or more likely to do well either, right? Um, so I would say, you know, one thing you can do is if you know there's a game that you do want to stack for one reason or another, you could come over here and say, hey, I want, you know, 20% Milwaukee and Pittsburgh game stacks. Um, but I would say probably a better approach, you know, similar to what we just talked about, though, similar to what we just talked about is if you if you are kind of eyeing both sides of a game, I would go just bump up the team total projections for that game overall here in the projections tab, right? Like if you want, um, if you want Milwaukee and Pittsburgh stacks, right? Um, or actually let's pick a different game. Let's say you want the, let's say if you want like Giants and Dodgers stacks, right? Giving both of these teams a bump, um, I think is probably the easiest way to just encourage the builder to give you more stacks of those games. But you're not going to get like correlated game stacks in baseball as often just because there isn't positive correlations between those teams, right? Um, sport like football, for example, if one team goes up, if, if a team goes up, you know, 14 points early or something like that, the other team starts playing faster, right? It promotes offense on the other team. So you end up with actually positive correlations, right? Opposing wide receivers, even though they are never on the same field at the same, on the, on, on the field at the same time as one another, they are positively correlated. That doesn't really happen here in baseball. 
So you, it's okay to say, hey, I like both sides of this game. Uh, but if you want to get specifically game stacks, I would say that should come from liking both of those teams individually as opposed to just saying, I want to stack the game. And if that's the case, I think the easiest way to get there is to just increase both team totals. So, um, but, and that's, um, yeah, I, and that's, uh, I, I read this comment and I got distracted. Uh, thanks Jordan. I happen to ship three times in a month using a game stack. Every slate is different. I get what you're saying. Yeah. And I mean, um, that's, that's great. That's good. Um, I, I mean, there are situations I, I would say like park factor and weather are, would be situations that would create a game environment where that game is higher projected than everything else, right? Like if Coors Field is on the slate, you are going to frequently get game stacks because that's good for both teams playing there. Uh, that is not really a correlation though, in the sense that like those teams are the, the outcomes of those teams from within that game are, are still independent of one another. Um, so there can be factors that affect both teams playing in the same game, but it doesn't create necessarily a positive correlation. Uh, and it's perfectly fine to game stack in baseball as well. It's not necessarily something to avoid. I would say that, um, I, I would probably disagree personally that it is something specifically to target. That's all. Um, but anyway, um, Uh, Steve has a question in um, Slack here. Uh, and he said, I'm on FanDuel and I've tried to figure out how to enter your lineups in 30 seconds. I followed all the instructions in the video carefully till I reached the screen. Um, wait, till I reached the screen with the check mark in the middle. At that point, the video leaves FanDuel and clicks a drop down box on DK. I see no drop-down box on FanDuel. Uh, so I don't know where to go from there. I've entered 40 to 60 lineups daily for years. And you're right. It takes a lot of time. Uh, okay, let's do a quick FanDuel demo. Um, yeah, I think the video is DraftKings specific. I might I feel like I did a FanDuel part there as well, but maybe maybe I it was maybe it was confusing. I don't remember exactly. Um, let's talk about it. Okay, so you're on you are on FanDuel, right? Um, you're on FanDuel on the app. I think the most important thing is I'm going to assume, actually, let's not make any assumptions. So uh, on FanDuel, oops, let's go back here. Okay, so one thing, first of all, to be clear, is that you, you should be registering for your contests ahead of time to do this in the most effective way possible, right? So I'm registered for a handful of different contests here on tonight's slate. Um, oh no, actually I'm not. So this is perfect. Okay. So the easiest way to do this first register for a contest. Um, I've been playing this, this single entry series quite a bit, right. And we just need to put a dummy lineup in play, right? So we will just go ahead here. Um, actually that's going to probably create a salary issue here pretty quickly. So let's just pick like, we're just going to kind of just quickly go through and pick some players, right? This is basically to reserve our entries. This is ultimately to create our entries file is essentially what we're doing here. Right. So if you if you've been entering lineups by hand for a while, this might look actually already a little unfamiliar to you. But this is basically so that we have an entries file so we know what contests we're going to play right out of the gate. Okay. So we have this. And then we'll click enter lineup. 
And then you can go back here. Once you have a lineup entered on FanDuel, uh, you can go back and bulk enter it into all of the other contests that you want to play. So we can go once FanDuel catches up here. Okay, so then we can go back and then we can enter all the other contests we want to play. So um, maybe we want to play, um, we'll, we'll click, we'll toggle the bulk entry on um, and I'll do 25 here. Um, and where are the other, where's the other, let's see. Let's do 150 there, 150, right? And that's good for now, right? And we're going to choose lineup and we just choose the dummy lineup we made, right? And now we're entered. We have, in this case, about to be 325 different entries, right? Um, so again, if you've been if you've been hand clicking each lineup into each contest that you've been playing, this, this will probably be new. But you need to do this uh, to get your entries file. You need an entries file to use the entry editor on SaberSim, right? Um, so I probably should have just picked less entries. I guess I didn't need to enter like 325 unique entries right now, um, but it'll just take a second to, to load this here. So. But, and I see there's still some questions about uh, getting the team stacks that you're looking for here. So we'll come back to that in a second. Um, so, okay. So now we have an entries file, right? So now we can go back to SaberSim and it's going to say, upload your entries file, right? So we'll go down, we'll click the download template file from FanDuel. I guess I could have just stayed on FanDuel to do this, but we'll click the download template file from FanDuel. We click the CSV edit button right here, right? This is going to pop up this little modal here. And then click this link, which is download CSV template, right? That downloads your entries file to your computer. And then we upload that entries file. You can just drag it or click the upload button. And that will upload all of our entries for this particular slate, right? Okay. So now we need some lineups. So obviously this is where whatever your actual process of building your lineups actually looks like comes into play here. Um, but I'm going to assume just to kind of stay in line with the typical uh, SaberSim recommendations that I'm playing a unique lineup into every contest. So I'm going to build 326 lineups. I'm not going to touch anything here for the purposes of this build. I'm not going to do like a full process, a lineup building process. This will just be taking what SaberSim gives me and we're just going to play it. So we'll let these build here. And then we will fill them into our entries file. So, and Steve, if at any point I lose you here, let me know. Because I, I, if if there's a a point where if there's a point where there's confusion, I definitely want to know about that. Okay, so now we have our lineups again. Maybe you're editing exposures, doing different things, whatever. Here for me, I'm just going to fill them. So I click the fill button. It's going to say, "How do you fill them? How do you want to do this? You have four contests, 326 unique entries. How do you want this to all go in there? In this case, I'm going to click the unique random." which is basically just going to say, put a random lineup for my 326 into every contest. I'll click fill all entries, which will then pop populate this. And you can see that it's filled. And then you can click download entries or download an open FanDuel. I already have FanDuel open here. So I'm just going to click download entries, which is going to download a new entries file pops up over here, right? 
which is now filled. It has lineups. And then click browse here in that same pop-up. Upload, edit 326. And now it's going to load them. And then we can do that. And when we refresh, we'll have 326 unique lineups in here. So a little longer than 30 seconds when I'm kind of live narrating it as, a, as we go, uh, but still pretty quick and um, definitely, definitely faster than keying them all in manually yourself. I, I bet it is as time consuming as you described. So um, we'll give FanDuel, we'll close the loop here and give FanDuel a moment to load our 326 lineup so that we can see here. Um, but I do, I, I, I do want to see them. I typically like to do this just to make sure that uh, it loaded correctly. There they are. So 326. All good to go. So let me know if that helped. Um, okay, so it looks like some confusion here, uh, maybe. So Uncrabby Cabby said, so in other words, to get the combos of teams I am looking for, uh, I need to increase the team totals of those teams. Um, and then Benny Hanna said, he said that's one way. The other is to just increase the exposures of those teams after the build. Um, and then, but it's only going to pick from those lineups already created. So then like on a 14 game here last night, if I wanted to take a stand, for example, six out of 28 stacks, I want to make sure I get good combos of those pre-build. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, okay. So if you have an idea, there's, there's like a lot of, there's a lot of different things you can do here, but if you have an idea, let's hop over to DraftKings instead. If you have an idea of what teams you want to stack, you could, you could do that with a stacking rule, right? You could also set a stacking rule ahead of time. So let's let's actually just just for the heck of it, let's bounce back over to yesterday's fourteen game slate. So it kind of it kind of I guess it depends on what you are trying to accomplish, right? Is and then then you can kind of find the right tool for the job here. Um, I don't know exactly what your individual process looks like. If you are taking a stand, there are twenty eight teams playing on the slate, and you are only you only want to five stack six of them, I think you will probably be better off setting that as a rule here, right? So you can go in here, stacking rule, and you could say, hey, I want, whoops, that's not what I meant to do. I want at least five players from the same team. And the only teams that I want in that are the Dodgers, uh, the Brewers, um, the Astros, trying to pick teams that maybe you would actually maybe want to stack the Rangers and uh, the Red Sox, right? And there you go. So now every team is going to have a five stack of, of those, but that will, you won't get five stacks of any other team on the slate, right? So that's kind of an extreme approach. Um, if you instead are just wanting to get more exposure to a team, right? Maybe you just want to get a little bit more, like maybe there's just six teams that you kind of like, you're not just like necessarily super strongly opinionated about them, but you you've done some research and you kind of think those are the teams that you want to target. Maybe you just build the lineups without adjusting anything and bump up their min exposure a little bit when the build's over, right? So if you were getting you know 10% Boston stacks, maybe now you you bump that up a little bit and get 20%, right? Um, if you are trying to if you are trying to do something in SaberSim and you are not getting what you are wanting then maybe it makes sense to bump up those team totals, right? Like if you're like, hey, I love Boston. Boston's for last night's slate. I love Boston. Boston's my favorite stack on the slate and you get none of them. Saberson is telling you based on the projections and the settings as they are set, it doesn't really think it's a good stack. So you should change the, the projections of that team to make Saberson give you more of that team, 
right? Um, so like it, it, it really does, it really does depend on what you are trying to do here and like how much exposure are you comfortable getting? If you, if, if you were asking like for my recommendations, personally, I recommend at least people, especially that are new to SaberSim do more editing here in the post build process. Um, because then you're working, I think it's a good thing. You said, then it's only going to pick from the lineups already created. I think that's a good thing for me most of the time, because then it kind of grounds you. It gives you an idea of like what, um, the, what maybe the best angles to play on the slate are. But if you came into this slate and said, Hey, I'm stacking Boston, no matter what, I mean, in your entire pool of 500 lineups here, there's only three that even have a Boston stack. You're going to have to do something else to get Boston. So in that case, then you could, you know, maybe do some of these other tools of bumping up the team total, right? Like, Maybe if you want some Boston stacks, maybe don't maybe don't tell Saberson to try to fit them in with a whatever it was, a 3.5 implied run total, something like that. Right. Maybe we give them a 4.5 implied run total. Well, that's gonna that's gonna go a long way to get you more Boston stacks. So um yeah, there's there's kind of a combination of different tools that you can use. Um and then, I mean, the one thing you can do then is bump up the team total, let the projections adjust, rebuild, and then see what your exposures look like after the build, and then continue to dial in from there. So there's, there's a variety, I, I would say, in terms of getting the stacks that you are looking for, some combination of adjusting the team total projections, setting stacking rules if you want to kind of go the more extreme route here, uh, and then adjusting your exposures after the build is the way that I would I would go on it. So um I mean, the original question here too from from Benihana was more about like specifically how to how to game stack games, right? Um, and so it was kind of a different question here of like I, recommending pumping up the team totals of of both teams in the game might be a good way to go about that. Um, you know, the one other thing I should mention here too, since I, I guess I didn't on that first question, um, is if you if going back to the game stacking thing, like if you wanted to force a game stack. Uh, you can also just build a rule to do that, right? Um, like if you are trying to game stack a game, you can set a rule and say like, you know, uh, at least seven players from the same game, which is going to just like immediately, that will always be a game stack. Um, so you could do something like that too. But let me know if that helps. I Again, I definitely don't want to leave anybody more confused than the than how they, they come in here. And I, I feel like I... I have confused a couple of you here um, about the these stacks. So um, there's there's not really a wrong way to go about this here. Some some combination of the setting the stacking rules, um, adjusting team totals, and adjusting exposure after the build should get you what you want to do. Um, so, but. Um, Steve said, thanks. I can take it from here. This should make it simpler than writing six. Oh no, I can't even read this writing 60 lineups out in my notebook and then entering one at a time manually, as I've been doing from 2015, man, I am so happy for your, for your sake, Steve, that you found that video. Um, that is brutal. 60 lineups by hand. I, I can't even imagine how devastating like a, a big late scratch would be. I, it would, that would ruin me. Um, that should help a lot that, that demo. So, um, I'm, I'm glad that, that you found that. Um, so 
Um, okay, Chuck had a question in Slack here, um, and he said, "Hey Jordan, uh, I'm losing in the five cent Fanduel 150 max contest, but I consistently win single entry. Should I avoid the 150 max, 50 cent, or just adjust my process? I put in seventy dollars and fifty cents, uh, but only get back four dollars to four fifty. Yeah, I mean, the one thing about that contest is it's like enormous. Like your raw probability of winning any given single entry is going to be higher than it is at beating 150,000 lineups to take down the, a, a nickel contest on FanDuel. Um, with that said, the kind of the point of that contest is it just lets you get, in terms of a in terms of a contest portfolio, is it lets you get a ton of unique lineups in play, and it's going to smooth your variance out over the long term, just because you're getting a lot more variety and diversity in your lineup portfolio. Um, I So... I think I, I have kind of two conflicting viewpoints on this. So first of all, in our DFS profit plan video, um, which this is the third time I've called this video out now on the stream. Um, so please, if you guys haven't, if there's one video I could probably recommend on our entire channel um, to watch, it would be this one um, right here. Start winning war with our DFS profit plan. The contest simulations that we ran as a part of this video prove pretty convincingly that playing just single entry contests or really focusing on single entry or three max alone is a really dangerous way to play DFS. It's an extremely high risk way to play DFS. So I would be careful only playing those kinds of contests. With that said, I think it is okay if you identify that your strength lies in some contests more than others to target those a little more heavily. There is one thing in this video you will see if you watch this that like there's there's room for, there's wiggle room here. Where like we'll say, hey, your your investment into single entries and three max and smaller field stuff can be anywhere from twenty five to fifty percent of what you're playing that night. That would be an option where you could say, hey, like I think I'm better at single entry. I'm gonna play fifty percent of my bank of my not my bankroll. Ooh, that'd be a lot. I'm gonna play fifty percent of my daily wager into those kinds of contests instead of twenty five percent as a way to kind of exploit that. But I would I would pro I would probably not like fade the large field stuff completely just because you're going to end up playing a surprisingly high variance, basically portfolio strategy um, that you don't need to, to do. Right. Um, or that I think it is a little too risky. So kind of two sides there. One, I think identifying your strengths in the DFS world and, and uh, specifically targeting those uh, is great, but I, I don't think I would completely fade the larger field multi-entry stuff just because it smooths out your variance a lot. Um, so, but good question. All right. I think we will go ahead and leave it there for today's stream. Uh, we managed to to fill in that last 35, 40 minutes here very quickly. So I appreciate everybody that uh, tuned in, asked questions, uh, hung out with us here for the last hour or so. Again, I will be right back again tomorrow, 2 o'clock Eastern, for another stream. That will be the last stream of the week. No stream on Friday this week. Um, so good luck in the rest of the early slate. Uh, good luck on this little five-gamer here tonight. Good luck in uh, the Wyndham Championship if you're playing a little golf DFS. And I will see you guys all here tomorrow. Take care.